Hello, humans. Hello, hello. Good Monday morning to you. And that's not an oxymoron. Good morning. This is Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you are either in your cars with your coffee at your side or maybe already at your workplace or, God forbid, scrambling to get out of bed. But here we are, Ellie 2.0. This is my second show of Ellie 2.0. Last week it was the inaugural, and guess what? I've heard back from some people that they really liked what they heard, which, of course, if you like this, this is great. If you don't, well, guess what? I'm going to continue at it. So it's me, your practical idealist, knocking on your empathetic heart, spreading idealism in the world. Yes, that's what that's what I'm doing. That's what the show is about. It's about getting past we versus them with stories about humans who inspire and a little bit about what I'm doing, trying to find my way in the world as I speak and train on human inclusivity. I'm still building this show format, um, but I think what I'm going to talk about in my A Block with you will inspire you and give you examples of... You know, of other humans who are doing things who are idealists in one way or another. Because in the end, you know, we are all a society of storytellers and story listeners. And frankly, it you know, not many of us learn from the textbook that says, do A, then B, then C, then D. I mean, sometimes we're trying to open those instructions from the... You know the target box to put on to put furniture together. I tried to do that a couple of months ago, and it did not work very well. No, really, the way that we do things is we hear stories, we're inspired by those stories. Those stories spark our imagination, and that's what causes us to believe what we can do. And so, my story, my inspirational story of another today, comes via um, Heidi Stevens of the Chicago Tribune who in early January wrote about 10-year-old Jaquiel Jackson, 10-year-old Jaquiel Jackson, who lives in Chicago and who is passionate about helping the homeless. Now, Jaquiel is a normal kid. He's been tap dancing since he's four years old. He loves to play chess. He loves to play basketball. He's in uh, some local plays. But you know what? Something happened with Jaquiel when he was five years old. His great aunt took him to Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago to hand out soup and chili to the homeless. And his aunt reports that that one event marked Jaquiel for the rest of his life. I mean, we're talking only five years since then. His aunt said, quote, that sparked something in him. He would literally tear up when he would see someone who was homeless, trying to understand how that person got into that situation, period, unquote. Jaquiel was so adamant about wanting to help homeless people that his great aunt, his uncle, and his mother helped him establish a thing called Project I Am. It's a nonprofit to create and distribute what are called blessing bags. And I've got to admit to you, before this piece, I had never heard the phrase blessing bag ever before. And apparently what blessing bags are, are literally baggies, large baggies, with uh, toiletries and wipes and socks and hand sanitizer. Um, Sometimes they have bottled water, granola bars. 
you know, um, toothpaste and toothbrushes. And what um, Jaquiel does is he helps get those bags created, and then he helps get them distributed. So the first year he did this was in 2016, and he put together, with the help of others, of course, 1,600 bags for the homeless. His goal for 2017 was 5,000 bags. Now, did I happen to tell you he's 10 years old? And so um, towards the end of December of 2017, on December 28th, that would happen to be my birthday as well. I know that's why it stuck with me. Um, He filled his 5,000th blessing bag for 2017. And on that day, um, he got awoken after, uh, from a nap by his mother reporting that somebody famous had tweeted about his work. Do you know who that famous person was? Another Chicagoan, a guy named Barack Obama. And that Barack Obama had uh, tweeted about the great work that Jaquiel was doing with his Project I Am. I mean, how cool is that? You're 10 years old and you've got the president tweeting about you and your work. Now, other people, of course, have taken notice of Jaquiel. In 2017, um, he was also the recipient of an award, um, the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. He was one of 25 kids to win this award, and he was given $5,000 to put towards a... um, nonprofit or a cause that he believed in. And of course, he put it into his uh, Project I Am initiative. Uh, Jaquiel doesn't want to stop there. His goal is 6,000 blessing bags in 2018. Um, and I'll tell you if, you, if you just Google Project I Am, you'll see a video come up of Jaquiel, and you'll see this kid. He's 10 years old. He, he sounds like he's 25. And he, he knows where he's going. His, he also wants to become involved in uh, the, tiny, the Tiny Homes Movement, which is a movement that uh, now exists in Detroit where they're building 300 to 400 square foot homes for the homeless and low-income people. And so, you know, <laughs> he wants to, he's got broad, broad horizons, broad hopes. So what are our takeaways from Jaquiel's story? First of all, when we, exp- we are, as young people, exposed to humanity, to the broad range of humanity, where we're taken out of the safety net of Wazetta or Edina, and where we're, you know, given the opportunity to see the world of what it's like to, say, live in North Minneapolis or South Minneapolis or any other place that you want to um, think of where people don't have the same opportunities, when we are exposed to that, It does trigger our young, empathetic hearts. And in the process of doing that, it also triggers idealism. There is an intertwining between empathetic hearts and idealism, absolutely. Second takeaway, that there were adults who believed in Jaquiel, who didn't just, you know, say, oh, that's a five-year-old kid with... Um, you know, something passing and fancy. No, they nurtured him. They saw him. They allowed him to matter to them. And they 
reinforced and empowered him. Can you imagine? We're talking about a 10-year-old kid who's created a nonprofit. Come on. This is big stuff. Another takeaway is the value of imagination, that somebody allowed the imagination to flow and, again, didn't beat him down when he said, I want to do this. It's also the power of storytelling. You go to that video, you see he's a darn good storyteller. And guess what? I'm telling you that story now. So watch and see how Jaquiel ripples from him to you via me. And lastly, our last takeaway is that idealism comes in all forms, even in the form of a 10-year-old kid. Do you know an idealistic kid? Are you nurturing him or her? Are you aware that they even exist? I bet they do. I bet they're around you. All you need to do is to pay attention. And you never know. They may teach you something. They may even spark you to take a path to help the homeless or others. This is Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0. I'll be back after our break to uh, share a personal story. Thank you. Welcome back to AM950 and LE 2.0, where I'm not afraid to call myself a practical idealist and where I talk about how together we can make this world a better place. Um, in the first segment, I talked about Jaquiel, a 10-year-old, creating a nonprofit to help the homeless. Oh, boy. Um, let me just tell you, I am going to be looking for all of those stories and sharing those, those kinds of stories with you as we go forward. But I want to, in this segment share about what happened to me recently it involves coincidence and fate and connecting with another idealist. And, and some of it I have to talk about my work, um, and there's a little bit of laudatory-ness. Um, I don't even know if that's a word that I'll be sharing with you. Please understand I am not one with a big ego. I am just simply a survivor of the human condition. So... Um, in November, I uh, was training one of the Ring County, um, that it would be counties that ring the uh, Twin Cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis. One of the counties, I was training their employees on gray area thinking. I have a general human inclusivity training that people really like. The training was well received. Um, and as I Literally, I got into my car and started checking my messages. I had a, I had a, a notification from Twitter that a woman, we will call her Julie because I um, haven't cleared with her that I'm going to talk about this, um, a woman that I will call Julie who tweeted immediately after this incident, excuse me, after this training, tweeted this, quote, blown away by today's gray area thinking training by incredible speaker at Ellie Krug. Every human being should take this training, period, unquote. Well, I've got to tell you, when I saw that, I had only one word for it, which was, wow. Um, wow, because um, of all the reviews that I've ever gotten from my work, 
and there have been many. I'm very lucky. Th- that that review, that quote unquote every human being should take this training, that that review so succinctly hit the mark of what it is that I am trying to do in this world. I am trying to get every human to go through gray area thinking training because I believe in it so very much. People tell me, they do, they come back from that training. They come to me afterwards, sometimes with tears in their eyes, telling me how it has touched them. And most of all, how it's inspired them to want to go and and be more compassionate towards others because gray area thinking in the end is about how to better treat others who are quote-unquote different from quote-unquote us. Now, I'm not very good on social media, and I'm even more of a worthless marketer, so I really did nothing with the tweet that I saw other than to click on the heart to let Julie know that I um, really appreciate it. And by the way, I did not know who Julie was. I had never met her. Now, I need to parenthetically throw in here that I have a touch of facial blindness, uh, that I, it's not full-blown, but I have difficulty in recognizing people. And if I do not see somebody new fairly quickly after I see them for the first time, and then with some repetition even after that, I will totally not even recognize um, a person. And this this sometimes proves to be quite problematic in my life. I've compensated for it in a number of ways, but still, I have, you know, I, I run into people that I saw a month before or even a couple of weeks before, and and God forbid if it was six months before, I have no idea that I've ever met them before. So at any rate, let me progress this story. So the first training I just told you about happened in November. Well, in December, um, a month ago, month after that, I was training the librarians of this county at their annual meeting. I was about 160 people in the room. They had asked me to come and do the keynote Again, it was gray area thinking. And as I did um, the exercise, as I did the training, at different points I asked for volunteers. And at one point in the training, I, I saw this woman with a huge smile, very attractive woman, huge smile, bright-eyed, you know, looking at me. And um, I was so uh, taken by her that she seemed so receptive to what I was doing. I asked her to be a volunteer. And she came up. I asked what was her name. She said her name was Julie. It didn't register one way or another with me. I said, thank you. We went through the exercise. She did a really great job. We got some laughs. There was some humor involved. And, you know, we got done with doing the role playing. Um, Ended that uh, training. uh, was, again, well received. And um, about 12 hours later, after I got home, you know, and I started thinking, And I put two and two together that the Julie that was at my librarian training was also the Julie that had been at the training earlier. And most importantly, was the Julie who had done the tweet that I so loved and I felt so encapsulated my work. And because it seemed that Julie was really good at social media, I decided that I would reach out to her. And so um, last weekend, she and I met at a caribou um, for hot chocolate. It turns out, just like me, she doesn't like coffee. She's a hot chocolate fan, and so we both love caribou hot chocolate. We met at a caribou and sat down to talk about maybe the possibility of working together, Uh, me 
contracting with her to do some of my social media work. God knows I need it. And as we sat down to talk very quickly, within, oh, I don't know, two minutes, uh, Julie started describing a little bit about her. Of course, I was doing much of the talking. I can go on forever. But in, in the two minutes that she spoke very early on, she told me that she believed in social justice. Well, I've got to tell you, <clears throat> for me, practical idealist, social justice is almost, that phrase is almost as good as idealism because it's the same thing as I view it. And then she called herself an idealist. And when I heard those phrases that come out of this young woman, she's half my age, I've got to tell you, my empathetic heart soared. It soared because I had found a comrade in arms, another one who believed in the power of the human spirit to change the world. I mean, after all, that's what idealism is all about. And you know, on top of that, she was darn smart. She is darn smart, and she's got a way with words that I could never have. She asked me great questions about moving my platform from the 5,000-foot level to the 20,000-foot level, which is my goal. Because that goal I have is because as I can move the platform higher, then, of course, I can reach more people and talk to them about the power of idealism. Remember, it's a word we don't use very much anymore. It's a concept that many people have no idea about because we're so cluttered in our minds by other things. A lot about the divisions that go on between us and them. And so... As I'm sitting here with this woman and we're sharing these ideas about, you know, about Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy. And, oh, and by the way, um, I have a newsletter called The Ripple. And by the way, she had written a paper, a very important paper in her life that had the word ripple in it. And by the way, we both understood the power of, of storytelling. She's a, you know, she's a librarian and she's got some really great stuff. And so I'm, I'm sitting there with her in the middle of a caribou, and I am, I am just beaming about the idea that maybe I will get to work with this other idealist, this other person who believes in the same things that I believe in. And you know what? I know there are a lot of you right now who are listening to me. You are the same people. You are my people. You are idealists. You are. You believe in the power of humans to change things. And I've got to tell you, I believe that it was fate. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm Buddhist, and, and I suppose Buddhists don't believe in fate. I don't know. But I've got to tell you, of all, the law, of all the people, the 160 people in that room, when I was speaking to the librarians, when I needed a volunteer, of all of them, why was it this woman, why was it Julie that I asked, to come and be a volunteer as I needed to do um, some role-playing. I believe it was fate. I do. I believe that it was fate when she was at my first training, and I believe it was fate when she was at the second one, and certainly it was fate that she tweeted something, and I remembered that tweet. And so here's the deal. We need to surround ourselves with can-do people. I, for one plan to surround myself with as many idealists as possible and with as many idealists who are can-do idealists. I mean, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for pie in the sky and I just, you know, and want to sit on the sidelines. I am looking for idealists who, who say, I will show up 
and I will do the work. I'm looking for 10-year-old kids who believe that they can change the world with blessing bags. That's what I'm looking for. Now, last week when I did the show, I said that I would give every week an inclusivity tip and a homework. Last week's inclusivity tip was to say hello to someone that you have routinely passed by without saying hello. How'd that go for any of you? I'd love to hear if any of you followed that tip and what kind of results you had. I also had some homework. So inclusivity tip, one thing, homework, which was to say the word idealist or idealism more frequently. I'd like to hear if any of you did that. You can email me at at le2.0radio at gmail.com. This week's inclusivity tip is this. Look for the idealist in your life and encourage them, just like Jaquiel or someone older. Encourage them. Tell them that they matter. Push them on. Urge them to be idealistic and to be practical about how they do things. But, but, but support them. You can do that. Look for your idealist in your life. And here's your homework. I'd ask you to go to Wikipedia and, and or excuse me, Google, and it'll come up usually as Wikipedia and type in two questions. First question, what year were Africans first brought to the U.S. and not as tourists? Second question, what year was the Emancipation Proclamation issued? Again, what question one, what year were Africans first brought to the U.S.? Question two, what year was the Emancipation Proclamation issued? Do the math. And when you get the numbers of years of slavery in our country, ask yourself this question. What were white people doing all of those years? That's what's called systemic racism. At least one of the things that is. Well, that covers us for another show. Um, it's a half hour. I hope you're liking LE 2.0. I'm doing my best to make it interesting. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the few transgender radio hosts in the world with LE 2.0 on AM 950. If you enjoyed the show, email me at le 2.0 radio at gmail.com. Let me know what you'd like. A big shout out to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, I couldn't do it without you. I will be back next week to talk more about idealism and making the world better. Bye.